What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen. On today's show, I've got the COO of Seven Figure Flipping, and he's going to talk to you about hiring. He gave an amazing presentation at Flip Hacking Live this year about hiring, gave you a ton of tips and strategies on how to hire, um, the, the system that we use to hire people. And I think it's really going to help you, especially if you're hiring that first person or you're scaling a business, you're doing a ton of deals right now and you need to hire some more people. It's going to give you a little tips, little strategies and things that you can implement there that are going to make you a lot more money. And hiring doesn't sound like, sound like the most interesting thing or exciting thing, but I'll tell you right now, there is so much money that's being wasted if you hire the wrong person or even if you hire the right person and don't onboard them correctly and get them up and running and really pour into them and continue to manage them along the way. He's going to give you a ton of tips today and I hope you guys enjoy it. My name is Bill Allen and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. All right. Welcome, guys. I'm really excited to be here. So today I'm going to be talking about hiring. What we're really trying to do is mitigate risk and just increase success. So Bill gave a nice little introduction on me, but let me just give you a little bit more. Uh, I grew up, had my own business. I started it with my grandparents. It was a winery. We were in Preston, Connecticut. I took that from inception when I was about 17 years old, grew it to about $10 million a year. We were able to uh, sell it, exit really profitably. After that, I got into the hospitality industry. So for about two years, I was running nightclubs, bars. I had about a $100 million portfolio that I was overseeing. And uh, it was a great time, but I burned out from it. It wasn't really the lifestyle that I wanted to lead. I didn't feel like I was following God, so I just decided I had to do something else. So I started looking for a new place, and I found Bill. So I came down here, started working for Seven Figure Flipping. It's been amazing. And uh, like Bill said, we started our own business together, Profit Pilots, where we do consulting, and we have some event software. All this is to say that over the last 15 or so years, I've overseen the hiring of about 2,000 employees, and I've directly hired a few hundred. So I know a little bit about what I'm talking about here. So I'm going to give you guys kind of the framework that I go through to be able to take employees, find the right ones, and really not waste money and time by getting the wrong people working for you. So there's really two ways to go about this when you're starting off, and you have to figure out if it's your first hire or if it's your next hire. So first hire, you're trying to figure out where are your gaps? What do you hate to do? And are, where are you a liability to your business? There's a chart that I'm going to show on the next slide that kind of helps this. If you guys have watched a lot of Bill's teachings, you've probably seen it before. But when you're getting started out, we're really just trying to find that first best position that you could bring on that's going to allow you to scale. We're trying to get rid of what you're bad at and what you hate to do and get somebody that could complement you. When you get bigger, the questions are a little bit different. You could be able to start looking and identifying your areas of need, areas of opportunity. But the biggest thing when you're hiring with a larger company is trying to find what's going to have the highest return on your investment. So... A company like us, where we have 25 or 30 employees, it's really not about just hiring for the sake of hiring. We're always trying to identify that person that's going to 10x what we're trying to do. Every department in our company probably wants to add another body to it, but there's always one that's most in need, and that's what we're trying to identify. So this is the chart. It's the delegate and elevate. Bill and I have kind of tweaked it a little bit different, but ideally what you're going to do when you're starting off is create these four quadrants and identify what you love to do and what you're great at, 
what you like to do and you're kind of good at or you like to do but you're not the best at, what you don't like to do and what you're good at, and then what you don't like to do and you suck at. So anything in that bottom right, either you don't like it and you're not good at it, those are the tasks that we want to offload first. So if you're trying to get your first hire, you want to get everything in that bottom right quadrant, then move over to that bottom left. As we scale, eventually, you're going to only be doing the jobs and responsibilities that you like to do and you're good at. That's really how we build this base out and make good hiring decisions at the start. So as you become a bigger company, you have some employees. These are the kind of steps that you want to go through to identify that next hire. We want to assess the current workload. And what I mean by that is looking at every department, every employee, and see where there's a cap, see where there's a bottleneck, and there's room to grow, there's room to improve. And if we were to bring an employee on there, that would help scale the company. We're going to identify skill gaps. Doing an audit of your team is incredibly powerful, where you can actually look, see who's performing, and what is missing from your company. What's that core skill that if you were to add it, it would create rocket fuel? We're going to analyze goals. So a lot of people have talked vision inside of this group over the last couple of days, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to see the goals that we're trying to get to in the next three to five years, scale that down to the next quarter, and figure out what hire is going to be the one to help you get to that goal. Ask team and partners. So when you're at a high level inside of your company and there's people working underneath you, you don't always have full visibility. So what I like to do is talk to my leadership team. I'll go even further than that, and I like to talk to the people who are actually the ones working and running everything on the day-to-day -day and see what they say, see what they see as a gap, because they probably have a lot more transparency that you don't have. Next thing is understand your finances. This is a big one. Um, you want to make sure that you have the bandwidth, that you have the financial flexibility to bring somebody on and not have it be a detriment to your bottom line. And then finally, evaluate your current team. One of the things that we've seen, and that I know Bill has done before, is actually move bodies from one department to another, and sometimes you're unlocking a completely new skill set. So having all of that together, you can really see what that next hire should be. What we're going to talk about next, I think, is probably the single most important thing that all of you could take from here. And that is the power of a title. So a lot of people, when Bill and I are doing these calls, when I do the scaling calls for altitude, they think they want an operator in their company, right? They're like, I want somebody to come in, be my right-hand man. I want to offload a lot of my duties and responsibilities to them. What they don't know is what to call this person and how to post the ad for this person. So last night, I just searched in San Diego for some really similar jobs in similar roles and how much of a variation there is on the salary associated with them. So if you think you want a COO in San Diego, you're looking at three hundred dollars to $820,000 a year. That's the going competitive rate. You change that to a vice president of ops, you're down to two and a quarter to about half a million. If you drop that down to a director of ops, you're down to about 180 to 225. What you probably need, if you don't have 10, 15 employees as a project manager, that's 120 to 185. Also, maybe you don't need any of that. Maybe you are still capable of driving that bus. What you actually need is an executive assistant. Now we're down to 72 to 115, or maybe you just need a personal assistant. You need those two hours a day back where you're running errands, and that's 55 to 101,000. So when we're posting these ads, keep that in mind. Think of what you're actually trying to bring on. And there's a level of skill that's associated with each of these positions. But if you're not big enough, you probably don't need that big, shiny title. So now we know what we're going to call somebody. We know what kind of job we're hiring for. The next thing is the perfect job ad. So this is kind of my framework. 
that I've used and it's had incredible success every time that I do it. First, define the job title clearly. If you're looking for a COO, make sure you say COO in your industry. If you're looking for a sales rep, put sales rep, put sales manager, but make it important. Next thing is always make the job ad about them. When people are on Indeed scrolling, looking for jobs, they're gonna see hundreds of jobs a day. They're gonna keep on going through, and if it doesn't strike them immediately, they're just gonna go right to the next one. What you have to do is catch their attention. Bill says we're always doing marketing and sales. When you're trying to hire somebody, this is just as important. And I'm gonna give you guys a couple examples on the next page. We wanna keep it exciting. Like we said all week, high energy is high income. Same thing when it comes to your job ads. Short and compelling. Just like I said, they're going through hundreds of ads a day. They don't wanna read a long job ad. If you're writing it and it takes more than one page on a word sheet, that's too long of an ad. We wanna have just the most important responsibilities and requirements. You wanna sell your company culture and give them a clear call to action. What I mean by that is say apply. If you have your own website you're trying to direct them to, say go there. What you don't want is to just let them figure out if they wanna press the button and keep on going. So here's a job that was posted on Indeed that I saw for a sales director. Starting off with duties, nothing about their client, you know what's gonna happen? They're gonna go to the next job. It's boring, manage and oversee revenue management. Yeah, that's part of the job, but it's really not what's gonna get anybody pumped up to do it. So I'm gonna switch this now to the job ad that we post when we were looking for a sales director. Are you a sales superstar with a passion for high ticket? Do you thrive in a fast paced dynamic environment and have a proven track record for closing and exceeding performance goals? Does the idea of no commission caps thrill you? If so, we want you. When somebody reads this, they're gonna at least wait. It's a pattern interrupt. You're gonna get them to scroll down further and you're gonna have 10 times more applicants when you do this. I see some of you guys taking pictures, I'll give it one second. All right, so next is sourcing applicants. You know your title. You know the job type you have. Where are you gonna find these people? This is listed in order. The best kind of hire, in my opinion, is an internal hire. If you have somebody that already works inside of your company that you could promote, that you could elevate, it's gonna build company culture and you already know them. You know what they're capable of. Next are your hot network referrals. So talk to your friends, talk to people in your industry, see if they know anyone. Employee referrals are great, so bring it up to the team. If they know anybody that'd be a good fit, give them a shot. Social media can be really powerful. Bill's hired through social media. I've seen it work before. Uh, it's cheap too. The most common way is gonna be job boards, like Indeed, like Glassdoor. That's where the majority of people are looking for jobs. And the last option that you really have are talent agencies. If you're looking for high-end talent, could be the way to go. Keep in mind, you're gonna be paying a really high premium to acquire that talent through an agency. So I talked about job boards. And one thing that I think everybody really needs to understand is the Indeed algorithm. So Indeed has an algorithm just like any kind of social media channel that you're advertising on. And this is really what you wanna see on there to have the most clicks and the most views through it. First of all, keep it short. Like I said before, if your ad is short, Indeed gives you favorite preference. Include a realistic salary. When it comes to this, there's actually a bar that you'll see when you post your job on Indeed, and it has what they consider realistic. If you're at about 10% of that one way or the other, you're gonna have uh, higher levels of people clicking through it, and it's gonna show up higher on the search page. If you're paying way low, it's not gonna get a lot of traction. If you pay too high though, Indeed starts to think that it's a scam. And when you do that, it's gonna to start to bury it on page two and page three, so you're gonna have less people looking. Uh, it's gonna ask you how quickly you're trying to hire. If you put two weeks or less to make this hire, you can get a tag that says urgently hiring, 
And again, this will put you right back up on the top of the Indeed page. Here's a secret. If you don't like your applicants after one week, close the job ad. Don't pause it, completely close it. Never renew your job ad. You wanna close it and repost it. If you renew it, it will not get refreshed to the top of that page. If you repost it though, it will. Uh, the last one that I wanna talk about is how Indeed charges if you sponsor your ad post. So the way Indeed works is it gives you 72 hours to review a candidate. If you accept a candidate or you keep them during that time, you're gonna be charged a fee. If you don't though, and you don't like your candidate, you could click no and there's no charge. So as long as you have the time to stay on it and review your candidates regularly, you're only gonna be paying for the top quality ones. So that's my little speech on uh, Indeed. So now we've got our job ad up there. The next thing that we're gonna do is really narrow down our candidates. So to do this, first thing, we're gonna review our resume. On average, 36% of people lie about their resume. That's an actual fact, and that's people that admit to it. It's probably higher than that. So when you're going through it, take it with a grain of salt. We wanna find the right resume, but realize it's probably a little bit bloated. So what do we do to fix that? References. Everybody says, give me your three references, right? And that's fine. Those are the best people that they could think of to brag on them. What I like to do, especially for higher level positions, is find where they worked before, go on social media, and find a friend of somebody that they were working with, and really get an organic, not um, cherry-picked person to give you their opinion of what that person was like to work with. Another thing that helps really narrow this down is uh, qualifying questions. So on Indeed, you could ask, are you local to this area? Are you willing to relocate at your own expense? This is gonna get rid of like half the people that apply for your job. Really easy thing to use. There's also skill assessments that are on a lot of these job boards. So I strongly suggest using those to your advantage. Um, social media review. We always try to find this person on any of their platforms and see what they're actually like. The person that you're talking to on that Zoom call or in your office is usually not how they actually operate. So you wanna go through there, check for red flags. And the last thing is always do a background check. You could go on Checker, it's like $40. If you're gonna bring somebody into your company, always worth it to do that. So now we kind of whittled it down a little bit more. The next thing that we like to use are personality profiles. So if you guys are part of Seven Figure, I'm sure you're familiar with Culture Index. I'm not part of uh, Culture Index, I get nothing for it, but they're the best. They're the only personality profiler that's admissible in a court of law. But there's also some cheaper ones like DISC, Myers-Briggs, and Predictive Index. If you really understand this, you're gonna have a much higher likelihood of getting an applicant that works out. So I would definitely suggest that we use that. All right, so now we have a list of maybe like 10, employ 10 potential employees that we have to put through the ringer. So the first thing that I always conduct is the 20 minute interview. And these are the exact questions that I have inside of this. It was uh, populated in who, not how, but we're gonna introduce ourselves, let them introduce themselves. We're gonna ask them four questions. First question, what are your career goals? When you ask this, just sit back and let them speak. After they've given you an answer on that, we're gonna ask them, what are you the best in the world at professionally? And they're gonna smile, they like answering this one, so just let them talk. The next one they're gonna ask, and honestly, it really throws people off, is what are you the worst at in the world professionally? In the last 100 interviews I've had, I would say half of them can't answer this question. If they cannot think critically about how they could improve, that's not somebody that you probably want on your team. The last question, and it's written exactly how you ask it, when we contact your references, how will they rate you on a scale of one to 10? We're looking for them to say an eight or above for all of them. If it's lower than that, ask why, let them try to dig themselves out of the hole, but that's really what we're looking for. After that, open it up to questions for them 
and after 20 minutes, you've gotten through your interview. This should allow you to get your list really in half. There's a couple more interviews that we're gonna go over after that. So the next one is our deep dive interview. This is a traditional interview that a lot of you guys think of. Uh, it's how it was for years where it was just this one. But one of the questions that we always start with are who are your biggest influences growing up? It kind of gives you a little bit of insight behind the curtain of who they are, what matters to them, what type of people they actually look up to. Then we have the boring part. It's the ex uh, experience deep dive. We're gonna go job by job, ask them how it was there, what their favorite part was, what they hated about it, and why they left. You can uncover a lot during this part. Then we're gonna start talking a little bit more abstractly and try to get their idea of a culture fit. So we wanna see what's important to them, where their highest priorities are. Uh, then we're gonna ask some industry-specific questions and some trick questions. What we're basically trying to do here is see how much of their resume is accurate and how much of it was fluff. And they, if you know what the job is, you should be able to get some interesting questions there and then turn it over to them. So now we're probably down to like maybe four candidates by this point in time. This is one of my favorites, it's the team interview. So for all of our jobs, when we get to that last couple of people, we put them in a room with a couple of their peers. It's really interesting. When I was hiring for a sales director, I had this guy who was dynamite. He blew me away. He came with this like three page report of what he was gonna do in his first 90 days here. I was ready to hire him, but I decided to get him on a call with somebody from our sales team and somebody from our marketing team. And what happened when there were two people on the call, he couldn't sell them both. He could only pick one person to really get to know. And when there was two, he melted and it became incredibly obvious he was the wrong fit. So we're gonna start the conversation off, facilitate it, and then turn it over to the team to ask questions. You just wanna sit back and let them go and then get their opinions of it afterwards. So the next one is easily the most important. It really ties into this entire simulation thing that we're doing here. And it's what's gonna change your hiring process forever. The scenario simulation interview. So I've done this a few times and it's incredible. We're gonna create a list of a few challenging situations that you've dealt with before inside of this role. Then we're gonna create a little roadmap ahead of the interview with some permutations and actually use a little bit of hindsight on what could have gone better, what could have gone worse. Then when we get on the call with them, we're gonna have two or three of these, give them the situation and just tell them to go and wait and let them ask you questions. Let them try to uncover it. It's not just about the solution that they provide, but it's about the process and how they got there. You could see their critical thinking skills at work. You could see their job experience at work. It's absolutely mind blowing. and It's one of my favorite things to do. If you do it, I guarantee you, you're gonna be shocked. Somebody that you might not think was great could be incredible and your top candidate could be a bust. Then it comes down to negotiating the offer. You found your top person. Identify what matters to the applicant. Not everybody's after the most money. For some of them, it's time freedom. For some of them, it's job title. For some of them, it's the hours but identify that throughout the interview process so you don't end up overpaying. Title salary match, like we talked about at the start of this, we wanna make sure that we're giving them a comparable salary to what the title is for which we're hiring. If not, you're gonna lose them at that last stage. Know your max offer, just like when you go into a negotiation for a house, have your MAO for what you're willing to go to for this person, and then consider small concessions. If you don't wanna negotiate higher on your total salary, consider things like additional vacation, uh, company car, things like that. Things that will not affect your bottom line as dramatically, but something that you could give to them so they feel like they won the f negotiation. Always have a backup. You don't wanna go through a month long interview process to have one person that you're making an offer to. So I always make my offer to the top candidate before I reject my second to the top and always cast your vision. You want them to know where you're going, where they're headed and that there's room for them to grow.
I'm gonna go through the next part very quickly, but it's something that I think is really undervalued when we hire somebody. It's actually onboarding them and setting them up for success. So clear communication from day zero. Make sure they have all their documentation, they sign all their paperwork before they actually get to your office and start working with you. Get them introduced to the team. We're trying to build a culture, we're trying to foster a community inside of our companies. So getting that started before they start is incredible. Provide them a resource repository, let them start doing some research and understanding your company better, and set them up with all the tech and tools before they actually start. If you're giving them computers, cell phones, whatever it may be, that's a time waste when you're in person. First day, personalized welcome experience, comprehensive office or virtual tour inside of your company, time to orient them, introductions to the team. We're trying to create bonds here. First task assignment, let them accomplish at least one thing on that first day. It's gonna change the way they think when they come in the next day. And then feedback, constant feedback with these people from the first day, first week, first month. Uh, week one, structured training, a lot of shadowing. Shadowing is incredibly powerful. Set goals early that they could actually achieve. Daily feedback and reflection and get some kind of team building activity inside of that first week. It's gonna go a really long way. Month one, removing the training wheels. We're gonna refine the competencies of the role. We're gonna build cross-functional relationships. Feedback collection, self-evaluation. They should know how they're doing by this point in time. We're getting them ready for that quarterly review. We're gonna decide if they're a long-term fit or if it's time to move on and then goal realignment. I'm gonna leave with this. The average cost of a bad hire is 30% of the employee's first year earnings according to the US Department of Labor. However, one CEO of Link Humans put the average cost as high as $240,000 in expenses. That's broken down to hiring, retention, and pay. I hear a lot of people say, hire slow, fire fastly. I think that's wrong. Hire smart, and you're gonna have somebody for life. Thank you very much, guys. All right, that should have helped you. If it didn't, you're not at that point yet where you're ready to hire, you're starting to bring people on your team, but if you didn't get something from that presentation, you need to go back and re-listen to it. Get your pen and paper out, write down some notes. I'll tell you right now, that's exactly how we do it here at my business, and that's how I've been hiring people for the last eight years. Hiring has been the thing that allowed me to scale my business, allowed me to really grow, and allowed me to keep like hitting new, um, new metrics, new uh, numbers, like higher and higher levels inside my business. So implement some of those strategies and I know they'll help you. If you are scaling a business, if you are doing 10, 15, 20 deals or more a year and you need to hire somebody, you need to start onboarding them, you have got to look into our seven-figure altitude program. It's a higher level mastermind. It's for people who are doing deals consistently and want to start scaling. And I bet hiring is something that you need help with and we are the masters at it. If you want to check that out, you can go to sevenfigurealtitude.com. It's the number seven, figurealtitude.com. Check it out, fill out an application, talk to somebody on my team. We would love to talk to you and see if it's a good fit for us and for you. I'll see you guys on the next show.